we're gonna hit you with the bars real quick Hey, quarantine life, but my flow's still sick If I had a mate, I'd have a make you lemonade And I don't need 288, episode 288 We made it This one's dedicated to all the haters Who never thought I'd get to episode 288 I know there were there's a lot of people who were doubting me when I first made this. They made um, Facebook hate pages about this. They said I'd never make it to even 88. They said I'd quit. They said I'd lose all drive. They said this is just a phase. This isn't it, dude. This is the suicide logs are going this till the fucking end. I will go on until the end. Not enough. It never is. This is... um. DJ No Chill, Dijon Daniels, about to give him a call, and uh, there's a very, uh, just found out from the last podcast, and let's see if he confirms us here, he's been doing stand-up comedy for about nine months, but he's been working at the punchline in, I believe, San Francisco for like uh, two years, is what he told me, and so he's been making big waves, at least in the comedy scene, uh, amongst other comedians, he has been starting, I don't know if he's been starting, or there's been drama, there's been talk, and this is, uh, you know, this is this is the place to get information to learn about Mr. DJ No Chill, and what he's about, and what his goals are, and what his side of everything is, so, I'm gonna give him a call, because I've got, this is, this is interesting. Good evening. Yo, Mr. DJ Daniels, how you doing? All right, man. What's good with it? I'm good. Uh, by any chance, is, is, like, is uh, like your hand or anything covering your microphone on your phone? Do you think you could try to like uh, speak right into the speaker and see if we could get you a little louder here? Can you hear me now? Yeah, you're good. I think that's... <coughs> uh, yeah, that's pretty good. All Yo, right. Thanks for doing this, man. Yeah. I know I reached out earlier when I first found out slash met you, and it didn't. I I forgot what happened. It didn't work out, and then I seen you at a uh, two shows. Now it's been, and then something had happened, and then today you were like, "Give me on the podcast," and I was like, "Let's make it fucking happen now." And here we are. Yeah, man. Um, the, the the first time, honestly, it was timing. Um, at the time, I was still kind of like just find my niche as far as who I am and everything as as, as a comedian. Um, the, and also was, I had some family matters that were going on as well. Uh, the second time when we seen the shows and everything, you know, we've seen each other at shows and stuff. So, you know, I was like, oh, I finally got to hear you out and hear your jokes and everything. Like, okay. You know, it takes me a while to warm up to people sometimes. Got it. Got it. Yeah. No problem. Um, we have breaking news here. This is breaking news, uh, at least in the comedy world. I don't know if this has been, this is, um, been released, but I have messaged a man who um, you you're currently beefing with. The past, I don't know, two days or something. Something exploded over the bacon community, and Mister, um, mm. <clears throat> I think it's Julian Lacrosse, right? That's his name. I believe so. So um, I messaged him because I think you guys both have each other blocked, and you're trying to get the roast battle going on. And I think, yeah, I mean, you wanted to roast battle me, and I was like, let's get it going. But then this happened, so I think that's the fight for you to take. And maybe our uh, our paths will cross again in the future. But 
Uh, I messaged Julian and I messaged him. I let him know that you were going to be on the podcast. I've never had him on yet, but I just asked him, um, do you think the roast battle is going to happen? And um, do you have any words for Mr. DJ No Chill for me to uh, relay to him? He said nothing. He, he said he, uh, he has nothing to say to you, but he said that the roast battle is on. Now, can I confirm on your end that it's on? I have no problem with that. I've, I've been asking for it. Honestly, like, this was all over a misunderstanding. Uh, and instead of him talking to me face-to-face or just, like, keeping it on the, you know, just, just on a personal level, level, I feel like, you know, he just went ahead and made it a public thing, which was unnecessary, you know. Like, like I'm honestly, I really wasn't tripping as hard as he thinks I was. And that's the thing about it. Like, everybody's trying to make me seem like I'm the bully of vacant. You know, and, and it ain't cool, you know what I'm saying? Because you guys are misunderstood. A lot of people are getting me misunderstood. And that's why I, that's why I asked you to put me on this. Because I wanted to clear the air with everybody. That way they get to know me instead of just, like, hearing these bad things. Because there's a lot of good to me. And I believe you you and other people have already seen that, um, you know, crossing paths and everything like that. So me me actually wanting to roast battle you, that was just for fun and shits and giggles. You know what I mean? Of course. It had nothing to do with nothing personal. It wasn't no funk between me and you. I have yeah. no problems with you. You know, I really respect you and your hustle. You know, on the come up, we're still young comedians trying to come up and make a name for ourselves. Yes, sir. So, um, but uh, I don't know if you answered my question. My question is like, uh, is it on? Did you get confirmation from Mr. Josh Means or anybody that it's it's going on? No one's, on? no one's hit me up yet. Oh, okay. So maybe so, I misread the message or something. But from what I read, I thought he said it was on. So at least on his end, uh, it seems like it's going to happen. If it's going to happen, then cool. You know what I'm saying? Let's yeah. go ahead and just do this shit like, you know, two comedian men or two comedians, period. You no, know, um, you know, and, and, and we just hash it out and just going, you know, handshaking, going on separate ways. You feel me? Like, I had no beef really with them. Um, like I said, like, it was just the fact that, you know, you can't say one thing in person and then do another. You know, how this whole thing really started, really, so that way everybody knows, understands this, is I was invited by a, a, a name, I think her name is Tasha uh, from Sacramento. And she got, you know, I was trying to get on one of her shows. She told me about the Blunts and Moore show the first Friday. Um, and therefore I was invited by her. So when I got there, I introduced myself to him. You know, he was really cool and cordial and everything. So I had no, you know, there was no ever beef. So at the same time, you know, he's like, yo, you know, I do shows, you know, he books shows in Sacramento. You know, I'm trying to further my network. I don't want to keep doing the same rooms. So, but with that being said, uh, he, he said that, um, you know, after I did my thing, he was like, oh, you're good. You know, I'm going to book you for the Henry show coming up in November, blah, 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 blah. Two days later, he posts on his page that the fact that, uh, you know, he was tired of comedians or no, no, no. Two days later, he actually posted on his page. He was looking for, uh, looking for people to, to book. And he was asking for people to throw their names out and then he would take them for consideration. And I'm sitting there like, well, if you're booking people already, because you already said you're going to put me on, why would you do that? Mm, gotcha. Gotcha. In his defense, maybe, you know, he had you on, but still room for more. You know, I didn't get invited. Yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> right. But at the same time, <laughs> hey, you know what I'm saying? But at the same time, I'm just like, okay, so I hit him on the DM because I didn't know exactly. You know, I thought about that part, too, as well. But at the same time, like, I was like, oh, like, let me get you on a DM because I don't want to, you know, jump to conclusions. I don't want – so I just asked him, hey, am I still on? Right. 
Right. His first response is, you know, oh, uh, be patient with me. I work slow. Like if any, I've look, I've done, I've been in the entertainment business for since I was probably like 15. Um, I used to be a DJ over, I, I did a DJ a long time ago at KCSU, um, over at Stanford. Um, and then I started, I break I broke out to like, you know, helping other DJs. And then I went to club promoting and throwing some of the biggest parties in the, throughout the whole entire Bay area with DJ maniacal, uh, and some other, uh, some others as well. So I've touched a lot of places. I know how producers and how setting stuff up works. I get it. Yeah, you have to be patient. A lot of people have lives as well. So I wasn't taking nothing about it. That's what the thumbs up was. That's what everybody sees. Now, right. after that, I left it two weeks. No problem. I didn't say nothing to it. Wasn't DMing them. Was I wasn't tripping on it. I was already getting booked for other shows. I'm trying to get my own shows for other places. Hell, we even did the show on Saturday together. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so you know what I'm saying? And it was great, right? We 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 all did great. So, um, with that being said, I didn't, I wasn't tripping as far as for him booking me or not. Yeah. But what I got tripped was when he posted on his page. That's what I'm yeah, I, putting you on blast a little bit. No, no, no. When oh, he posted oh, yeah, on yeah, for the Henrys. And where is this Henrys for, thing in Sacramento? I believe so. Yes. Okay, that's the one with like the colorful shapes. The- I've never I've never been there, but I would like to go. You know what I mean? Okay. I, 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 heard- I think the flyers is like a colorful shapes. That's what sticks out to me. I think so. I think you're right. I think yeah, you believe yeah. you're right. Yeah, I haven't so, done much work out in that area. Well, yeah. I, I, I like um the, my first time going up to Sacramento was from a um a booker a booker and a fellow comedian named Shannon Battle. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to him. Um. You know, he, he he was trying to pick me up on another beef that happened before that um, that got cleared up. But at the science time, you know, he was telling he you know he gave me a, a pick me up type of thing. Um, you know, and that's what I liked about this community of, as far as comedian and stuff. I do take this serious, you know, and I, I love to actually make people laugh. I do this for the laughs, not really about the money. Uh, uh, making people happy. Um, with that being said, you know, he booked me, or he didn't book me, but he asked me to come up for his open mic. You know, he would give me a little extra minute. So, of course, I went up there and did it. You know, it's a, it's a further your network, further your region, you know what I mean? Um, have more ears to listen to you. So that's what I've been trying to do. Right. <clears throat> computer. Okay. Right here. So okay. I'm just fixing some technical things, just making sure it's all good. All right. All right. So then, so then, so yeah, then after I that, you, uh, I didn't know what to think, because I, I know you from the beef and all that. And I, I just had Xavier on not too long ago, and uh, he told me, but I want to confirm on you. And you've been at stand up comedy uh, nine months. Yeah. And yeah. you told me through messages that you worked at the Punchline for two years. Yep. Yep. As a door guy, eh? Yeah, I was I was a security uh, at the at the punchline, and then I also worked at Cobbs as well, going back and forth because they're the, you know they're the same they're the same people. Oh really? I didn't. They know all, that. Yeah, How far yeah, away? Yeah, they all they're they close all. to each other. Cobbs and punchline. Uh, kind of close, not that not that far from each other. Like oh, okay. maybe five minute five minute drive from each other. I think it is a ten minute. You know so, how San Francisco three to is. And, and and when you were there for <laughs> two years, or what what years were these? Uh, I just stopped honestly last year. I. Oh, okay. I um, my last day working with them was like right before Christmas. Oh, okay. So what made you want to do comedy after like two years of working there? That's kind of interesting to me. Like, do you feel uh, like what so, sparked it? I don't know. 
So honestly, what it was was um, uh, how I got into this was I've always wanted to be a comedian since I was like in kindergarten. I've always wanted to be a comedian. I just had stage fright. Mm-hmm. So what ended up, um, I ended up getting hired at Google for uh, to be a to to be a coder. Um, I used to be a coder over at um, for Siri uh, working at Apple and uh, Melpitas. So I was transferring. Upon transfer, you know, you got to go through this whole, you know, uh, background check and all the stuff like that. So it was dragging out. At that time, I already had my my um, my guard card, so I went ahead and applied over at uh, uh, Punchline, and I got the job through Marcus. So when I'm uh, working there and everything, and then Marcus was like, "Hey, you want to do Cobb Sue? Cool." So that's why I started going back and forth. Oh. Um, and then just watching people, watching the, you know, every comedian that went up there and just learning how they were doing, how they were reading a room, how they were. You know, uh, uh, you know, analyzing things, how they were, you know, pick up, you know, they were, they were picking their targets sometimes, or even like how they were pre- prepping themselves for like a three or four day run where they got to work at three uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you know, doing two, two, three shows a night. I learned how I was watching them, you know, just taking notes and everything, how everybody was doing. So that's how I, and that's when I was like, you know what, I, I think I could do this. Do you think it's just coincidence that you stopped working there and then you did comedy or was it kind of like a premeditated thing? Honestly, for real, for real, um, what ended up happening was um, I every Sunday, you know, you guys, have, it's the open mics, right? Well, even though they're not really open, they were kind of picked, you know, they pick people. But um, at Punchline, um, I have been sitting next to Chris Riggins pretty much a, a lot of the Sundays. And we were sitting in this one particular corner. Um, along with um, some other uh, comedians as well, but I used to, I, honestly, I was just talking shit. But I was just talking shit about some of the comedians coming up that were bombing, <laughs> and I was just as a joke, you know what I mean? I was just fucking around. Um, and Chris kept saying, "Yo, you're pretty, you know, you're kind of funny. Why don't you get up here?" And I said, "I was learning, but at the same time, I really was stage fright." Mm. So he kept saying, "So his whole thing and was this is why you were working there, right?" Right. Got so it, his it. his whole thing was he came would always come up to me and say, "Rip it off! It's like a band aid. Right. All you got to do is get up here and just do it." And I just like, okay, okay, okay. Long story short, out of the um, when Dave Chappelle came down and did the Chase Center. After that, he came to Punchline and worked. I was actually working there that night. Oh wow. Um, and all of a sudden, Dave Chappelle starts telling his story, and he was talking about Chris Riggins. Huh. So the whole time, Chris never dropped his name, not one time, but I've been telling Chris this whole time that I took the job because I wanted to see and meet Dave Chappelle. He's one of my biggest idols, him, Eddie Murphy, and amongst a couple of others. But I know Dave Chappelle always went to that club. Um, so with that being said, I ended up kind of meeting Dave Chappelle that night, but not all the way. So fast forward three days later, he came. Dave Chappelle ended up coming back with Chris Rock and some other people as well, doing another performance. Um, it was that day I actually got to meet Dave Chappelle and talk to him for like two or three hours oh, for a little like, after the show. What did you take so, away from that? A lot of a lot of uh, game, a lot of game, a lot of game. But he's seen the fact. I, I feel like he might have seen the fact that I was really serious about it. But like he said, like Chris said, like everybody kept saying, it's like a band-aid. You got to rip it off. Just get up on stage. Right. So what ended up happening was Christmas Day. I almost died. Um, I, almost, I actually had no, uh, pneumonia and COVID at the same time. Oh, that's really bad. 
So I also have uh, uh, water in my lungs. Um, so therefore, like, I caught the pneumonia real bad to a point where I, I fainted in my driveway. Uh, my neighbor ended up see, uh, catch, uh, seeing me. So with that being said, and like, you know, after that, I was like, I felt like that was my wake-up call. Hmm. Like, I, I needed to do what I needed to do for myself, but at the same time, like, if I don't do it now, what am I going to do it for? Like, I'm, I'm going to die and just have nothing. You know what I mean? My kids are going to have nothing. Like, what about what is my family going to be doing? Uh, my, my family kind of depends on me um, as far as on my mom's side. So with that being said, like, I just kind of woke up out of it and I was like, it's time to do what I, I want to do. And so where did you decide to go first to do comedy? Um, I talked to Chris Riggins. I, I ended up texting him and he told me, he, he was like, Go to Copper Spoon on Monday, and that ended up being January first oh, of nice. this year. Oh. Um, and he was like, "Talk to a guy named Brian," and I was like, "All right." So I went up there. Brian was like, "Yo, you must be DJ No Chill, blah blah blah." I've already heard about you, so there was already a little talk before I even got there. Uh, Brian Hicks. Yes, 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 sir. I'm trying to look. Oh my goodness, I messaged this Brian Hicks guy back in October 28th because I, <laughs> I had never been to Copper Spoon before, um, mm -hmm. but this comedian told me that I should have had gone down there and he like quoted hella funny and he was like, yeah, go down to Copper Spoon and look for a Brian Hicks and I never did it. I just messaged him and never got a message back and it was just like, I messaged, what's up my guy, Ty Gamble refereed me to you and then i corrected to referred and i spelled it wrong and then i spelled referred again correctly for the third time and then uh yeah but i've been hearing about copper spoon i just uh i don't know if you know ty gamble i guess he's a cook there or something like that and um he's i haven't seen him active lately but he was active for a little bit he was killing it i don't know if you know who chris D'Elia is but uh Chris D'Elia had a show out in Oakland and he got stabbed and that was kind of like his comedy highlight and he sent it to Chris D'Elia and he ended up on like his vlog or whatever but yeah I haven't oh, wow. seen it but uh yeah that's funny oh, Brian damn. Hicks that's so um yeah it is real shit uh what was I gonna say so Copper Spoon right it's first place pretty yeah, much huh com comedy's dangerous I'm trying to tell you yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> you never know you could disrespect somebody and get smacked you know yeah, 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 pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> pretty um, much. That's a cool story, though, just to kind of backtrack on what you said on, like, you know, you had a wake-up call. And that's kind of yeah. like, I wouldn't say as hands-on as your experience, but that's kind of like how I am a little bit of, like, I just I feel like everybody's kind of got that story of, like, you just got to go for it and all this stuff. And um, So what made you get into comedy, like? Oh, uh, man, to be honest, like, I'll say this. I think the difference between me and you a little bit is I'm not, I don't think I'm as passionate about it. I have not wanted to be a, a comedian since kindergarten. Uh, uh, my parents are Asian. So like with Asian parents, they kind of have the stereotype of like, don't follow your dreams. Cause that you, that's not going to make you money. You know, my parents wanted me to be like a nurse and stereotypical Asian stuff. And just to be well off, nothing wrong with it, honestly. Like, I, I get it from a parent's perspective. You want the best for your kids. You don't really, it scares you if they want to take a risk. And I just remember telling my dad, like, oh, stand-up comedy seems kind of interesting. And my dad kind of shut it down at a young age. He was just like, got to be a good actor. Like, I couldn't do it. Like, if I'm mad, I'm mad. You got to hide your emotions when you're a comedian or whatever. 
And to this day, he'll still like talk about it, like because now he knows I do it and shit. And he's just like, "Man, it takes balls to do it, man. I don't know what it. I can't. I don't know like what I would do if uh, I went up on stage and nobody was laughing at my jokes. I'd fucking start fighting people or something like that. <laughs> like, or he'd, he'd get pissed off if people don't like his jokes. But um, no, man, it's kind of just like a bucket list thing. Like, I um, I always thought I was funny, and people in my life said that i was funny as a lot of people who get into comedy kind of have those those things in their ears and a little bit of like yeah i think i could do it but i never i never loved it like i never really had i'm kind of younger so i think things are kind of changing i have this theory of stand-up comedy is actually dying and i think things like tiktok are ruining it the internet like our our attention spans are so small And sometimes I kind of think about that. Like, if I were to go up on stage, like, and if there's a lot of people, the first thing in my mind was like, man, what happened? You guys ran out of TikToks to watch that you had to leave your house and come watch, like, these people you don't know realistically at the level we're at, you know? And it's like, it's just such a weird, I had never been to an open mic comedy night in my fucking life besides actually doing comedy. I've probably only gone to a couple of, like, stand-up shows and one of those first ones were like a carnival cruise show which apparently are kind of like looked down upon in the comedy world like if you're a cruise i didn't comedian. know that i think at least when i listen to joe rogan i think it's i think it's like a stereotype if you're doing carnival cruise or if you're a cruise comedian it's kind of like I guess it's looked down upon as like, oh, you kind of didn't make it, or I don't know, something like that. I, I I doubt that. I don't think so. Like you're mm. you're you're. I, don't, I feel like any stage you touch is is cool. If you're Carnival, working, look, I'll, yeah, I'll say if Carnival Cruise want to cut me a check, I'll be there. I'll fucking right. I'll be there like, for four weekends, bro. Right. Let's and, go and, to Mexico. And, 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 <laughs> for free too and get paid i'll take that yeah take i'll take it me. but i don't i don't know like and i've heard this before i even like started doing comedy so i i don't know but basically yeah i i just at first i was like i just want to do it if i get a laugh that's good but then it turned into an addiction of like man we could make this better and so for the first almost like nine months of doing it i'd kind of told myself i want a new five minutes every time i get up there and then I was kind of, I, I came into this really blindly. Like, I was just telling Xavier, um, I, I had no idea that when people filmed comedy specials, they fucking filmed it two times. They wore the same outfit. That's how, why the crowd is different if you pay attention. Um, uh, not, all, not all the time. Not all the time. Uh, but the, yeah, they'll, but generally. They'll, but generally, yeah, yeah they'll, clip, they'll clip it. Yeah, when I figured that out, I was just like, man, there's something fucking mental going on here you know like i always think about how out of my fucking mind i gotta be at to be meticulous and i see it come out you know and that's what kind of like stops me of just like i can't imagine like we gotta film it four times man they gotta laugh at my molly cone joke this is the one where they laugh really hard put that in there like i I think i think the better ones are more polished to where like they'll just like i thought like they'll do the jokes and just get it out but then you gotta they'll clip it so where that way it looks like it's the same set you know what i mean right but it's different it's different days like they might have do like a, at Cobbs, like a thursday friday saturday right mm-hmm. or friday saturday Sunday, whatever and then uh what they end up doing is like they'll take segments from the friday segments from the saturday segments from the sunday just like run them together you know what i mean and say like oh it was the same show i was just saying like i i want an unedited one shot off a drone clip 
It's going to be 40 minutes um, <laughs> and only 10% of the jokes are going to land and I'm just going to put it up there and it's like, man, who needs the fucking laugh track, dude? If you get it, you get it. Like, I'm just going to put it up there. That's all I, right? I don't know. But I feel like that's I, the joke in it itself. Like, Yeah, I'd rather have it. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather have the unedited version. So I'd rather have the, the unedited yeah. version. So I'd rather but, have the raw uncut. I think there's a little bit of science to it. So it's like if you're a booker and you're booking shows and you're like, send me clips, you know. And a, a lot of the times, uh, from my experience, like people don't want edited clips. They just want a one shot, five to ten minutes, and then they'll decide if you're funny or not. Because it's like you take away the yeah. audience. It's your show and it's like what you want. But I feel like to a regular civilian who doesn't do stand-up comedy, it's kind of like there's a lot of psychological tricks that go on to make somebody laugh harder. Kind of like a sitcom with laugh tracks. And then with stand-up yeah. comedy, there's all these, these all these fucking mind games that you're playing with people who don't understand it. And that's for and like, that's the what consumer. I, that, that's, I, feel, I feel like that's the glitch I'm trying to look for. Like I, I, like I said, I watch a lot of comedians but I don't watch them. Like I, I, I watch them to a certain extent, but at the same time, I'm really watching the crowd too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because sometimes you know the material of certain comedians, and so it's like you, you know the joke. It's not going to hit you the same way as it did the first time you hear it. So you like to right. people watch and look at a crowd, and it's just like funny when seeing how people react to certain things. One, one of the things I, I learned, I, I was also like, I always just watch at, when I was working at Punchline was, you know, like like the three, like I said, I keep bringing up the three days. Like those three days, you'll see comics do the same joke, the mm-hmm. same cadence, the same way every time. And I know to them, they're tired of saying it. Yeah. You yeah. know, everyone is saying like, oh, no, I'm tired. No, no, no. But no, no, they're tired of saying it. They're acting. But, they're so doing I, a monologue at that point. Right. And I'm just like, but at the same time, they go through with it. They kill it, whatever. You know, and sometimes they don't. They might kill it on, on one set and then the next one they don't. You know what I mean? It's hit or miss. So when I was learning from that, like I was like, yo, I don't want to ever do that. Like I want to have my sets. Like when I tell a story, my story, all my jokes, like I literally try to switch it up a little bit here and there. You won't hear me say the same, say it the same time, same way twice. Yeah. You want it to come off as natural, and I think that's the balance of um, the balance of doing it for other people because sometimes it's oh. a job and you're, you're, it's your job to make people laugh so you got to hit them with the shit you know is going to work and then sometimes it's the balance of uh, doing it for yourself you know because you got to have a little bit of fun and that's when the uh, the ambition or or motivation to write new material comes in or just Definitely. That's why, I mean, with this podcast, I never really, I don't have any fucking bullet points written down here for you. Or like, yeah, I gotta, we gotta cover this. We gotta cover the roast battle and Julian beef and all that shit. It's just kind of free flow conversation. Like, honestly, for real, like, I don't want to really want to talk about too much of it. But as far as with the whole Julian thing, I feel like it's watered down now. Oh, wow. Three days. I feel like everything's kind of like, eh, it is what it is. I'm, I'm, I'm cool. Like, I'm sitting there like, yeah, I want a roast battle, but I mean... After the whole, like, oh, pay me $50 for us, like, that's a duck move, bro. Like, Wait, so, um, oh, I, so that's what he said, huh? I thought you were the one who said it, and he was just completely no, word I for said, word mocking no, you. No, no, I said, put, I, I said, put 50 bucks straight up. Like, as in, like, you bet 50, I bet 50, let's do it. You know what I mean? Okay. Best man takes home take best man takes home 100. Just on some fair shit, you know what I mean? On some, just, like, so, make it interesting type yeah, shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, uh, but instead he, he 
comes back and starts saying like, oh, no, uh, you're a nobody. Nobody knows who you are. You're wasting my time. You pay me 50 Whoa. bucks for my time, like type of thing. And I'm just like, that. Uh, so who's the arrogant one? Whoa. Didn't know that. Well. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like, oh, you know, like, you know what? Let's do this. You know what I mean? At the same time, I wasn't saying nothing. I didn't say his name. I wasn't posting no memes. I wasn't posting no, no videos until he started doing that. And that's when I said, look, let's just do this straight up. Yeah. That's when I called out the roast battle. To be Other fair, than that, when it comes, like, to put your, I mean, I don't know how important $50 is to you, but to be fair, I think it's very risky because even if you think you're going to body him or whatever, you're still kind of putting it in the hands of the judges, you know? And if you. Oh, I you thought know, about that. I yeah. thought about that. So like, I, I was like, yeah, he's more no. I'm not going to lie. You may, there might be Julian, some favoritism Julian, Julian. that goes on. Right. Julian has put in the work. Um, I, I, I recognize his work. You know what I'm saying? I give him that. You know what I'm saying? He's been doing it for a while. You know what I mean? I will give him his flowers upon that. I've never discredited him for it. Even though it's me, I'm sorry, but his jokes don't hit. He was there, I was there at the, we were there at the Blunt Memorial. Not one laugh ever happened. But when I did it, when I was up there, I went up first. Well, actually, I went up after him. I got the laughs. I set the bar. It, you know, I'm only set up, no punchlines. That's what he says. Mm. But it was him that actually came to me was like, yo, I want to put you on the show. That's how this whole thing started. So even though now he's trying to uh, take back of what he said, like, oh, I wasn't going to book you. Like, okay, you might have switched your mind. Okay, cool. You could have just said that. We could have just left it alone. Right. So. Interesting. Man, I want to I want to get on Cobbs. I want to get on Punchline. I want to eat shit at actually, one of those places. I, I, ju- I actually just got up for the first time at Punchline this um, the, this past Sunday. So for yeah, me, that was a... Yeah, about it. And then you told me that how was to like, get up. Yeah, man. Honestly, that was like a huge, uh, you know, a 360 for me. It was a complete circle for me. So, like, even though um, I did do a couple of things, but at the same time, like, I didn't do as well as I, I wanted to because I was emotional up there. Uh, for me, it was a big it was a big deal. Like, I feel like that punchline or all punchlines have been a sacred a sacred to all comedians. You know, you want to touch those stages because the greats have touched that stage. So you want to see what you got. Can you compare? Can you come up to it? You know what I mean? Um, iron sharpens iron. You know what I mean? If you want to get, I don't, I don't know what you're doing this for, but I want to be a legend in this. That's what I'm doing this for. I want to be mentioned in those categories with the Chris Riggins and, you know, and, uh, and others that have come out of here, you know, out of the Bay Area that are making noise. I want to be one of those. I'm trying to be an open micer for 10 years. To, uh... <laughs> you want to start hosting shit? I, I, I hosted a show for about nine months. And then yeah. uh, last month and this, like, I mean, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to do it this month. Last month was the first month in over nine months that I haven't done it. So I like to consider it like a fucking uh, a miscarriage of my comedy show or something like that. But I'm all right. I'm just focusing on comedy. I'm just happy to be here. Um, but sometimes when I think of like hosting a show, it's just kind of like, well, there's other things that kind of aren't working out, um, to us, to, to make sense for something. I feel like, uh, where my show would be, it was kind of like where we were, um, uh, last, last week. So it's kind of, I was telling Tyler about it. Like maybe you should consider getting some Stockton slash Sacramento comedians out because it's kind of like the halfway point of like the Bay and Stockton and it's a good area. I think I think he had, I think he was telling me he had that's what he did the first time right, 
Uh, I was the first show. I was the co-headliner, if that's what you want to call it. I went up before the headliner. The right, second right, yeah. show, I was uh, the first person up. I was like, a, I didn't get to bring it up, but I feel like nobody would really. It's too much to like explain, and it's only fun probably like day up or whatever. But uh, I was honestly, I was, I was honestly surprised. I got headlined like uh, I thought. I thought he said Sacramento. I wasn't. I wasn't sure about Stockton, but. Uh. But then you have somebody from like Sacramento or something. You know, there was said. only one person that I really kind of recognize, and he's from the Bay, pretty much. And then I don't ever really heard of them or see them too much active or whatever. That's what. No. I, that's what yeah. uh, my goals or something like that. You said you wanted to be a legend. Oh yeah, I said I wanted. Yeah, to what are you about open to? Yeah. I want to force like. Nah, I don't I know, man. A part of me, this is just I, like. I, I, feel, I feel like I feel like I feel like that was a little. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're kidding. Number one mistake of becoming a legend is wanting to be a legend, if that makes sense. Like, I, 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 I do know that kind of like a love that. for the game kind of thing, like in of it. You got enjoy comedy, I enjoy that's why I do so many shows a week. Mm-hmm. Like, even if they're just an open mic, even if it's a five year plan, was my five year plan, it was just, just to be like, okay, I'm a comic being on tour, like someone like goals. in New York or something. You have like right. somewhat realistic five year plan goals, yeah, like. Yeah, I don't Last week, Jerry Thursday, I, has headlined my show. Uh, that oh I, yeah, like because I'll bring up my whole dad thing. Okay. Um, uh, basically, yeah, NBA Hall of Famer from the Houston Rockets. He still to till this day works for the Rockets. So this I'm also raised. My first ever game was the Rockets versus Warriors. Now my dad mm. did not come in my life until I was nine to come up here for his rookie year. Like that, that was huge. You know, I mean, Latrell Sprewell. Like it was dope. I fucking All right, we had a technical difficulty um, about halfway into this podcast. This is where I'm breaking in right now. Yeah, I fucking ran out of space on my laptop, or something happened, and uh, it fucking it cut everything off. It wouldn't it wouldn't rightfully record what was going on. It sounded all choppy. I panicked. We talked. We went over some good things too. It sucked. Uh, I didn't I didn't realize that bad had happened. This is what happens when you don't have a producer. But we're gonna um it's twelve hours later, or about eleven hours later, and we're we're gonna be able to um give him a call back. And uh who knows? I mean we could have delayed this earlier, but we're getting right on it. So I'm going in this other room, I'm testing the microphone out just to fucking see. Only thing I gotta worry about is if my cat wants to come back in, and I'll just close this on him a little bit there, and and we'll go check this out. See what they said. <laughs> I get this water. Okay, it looks yeah, it looks like it's been working, and so and so it goes. So it goes. Give him a call here. Testing, testing. Let's sit all the way back down here, actually, to make sure nothing bad happens. Testing, testing. There's fucking two walls in between me. Testing, testing. Let's see here. Better. All right. So, 
from the 30 minute mark we were going over uh you're talking about full circle i believe of performing at, yeah i just got a punch i got the punchline yes and um yeah um okay. so where do you want to start you asked for the 30 minutes you've had, minutes. you've had 12 hours to reflect on the first yeah, maybe right, this right. is a blessing in disguise that the thing cut out so we could do some reflecting and analysis right. <clears throat> from the first 30 minutes i guess because i feel like there's probably yeah. there's probably only like one or two like main important things that we kind of went over that should like briefly be uh glazed over or whatever but yeah man just, what are your thoughts i mean we can do that or we can just kind of like start over a little bit and just uh um just do a 30 minutes episode it don't have to be an hour yeah that's what i was thinking that's what I was thinking. I was, uh, I was pretty pissed, man. I was pretty pissed. I got off the phone and I just was like, holy shit. I just looked at the computer and it did not look right. I was like, oh no. And like, uh, this is probably like the second podcast I've had where something like that happened. And I believe maybe like, like sometimes I would record like a live show. I think it only messed up once out of the nine times I recorded it. But there was one that just like, I don't know, a big part of it wasn't working, don't know what happened, and then so this right. one, at least half of it was salvageable. I think I'm cursed, I think somebody put a hex on, hex on me, um, I think, you know what happened, because there's some more to it, you started talking about how your um, your father was an NBA Hall of Famer or something like that, um, yeah. and I was like super unaware, and you were talking about how you didn't want to like live off him, off his name, he didn't give you no money, um, right. Pretty much, yep. And uh, I felt like, yeah, when when it got to that part, and you start talking about like hanging out with the stars and stuff, and then I like see on my on my computer that it's like cutting out and shit. And I was like, oh no, there's the Illuminati, you know, like cut, yeah. cutting in. <laughs> shit. Do you it believe in the Illuminati? Way. Yeah, to a certain extent. Yeah, me too. Yeah, just to a certain extent, like it's just. I, me, cause I, I, I was in the Marines, so therefore it's like, I, yeah, there was some shit. That I'm like, yeah, you know, there's some wealthy motherfuckers out there running shit. Mm-hmm. But as far as like them, like you know, just mysterious assassinations and and shit like that, it's just like mm, some believable, some not. Yeah, that's how. I mean, I think I believe in aliens more than I believe in God. What do you think about that? I definitely believe in aliens. God, um, I'm, I'm very spiritual. I got to, uh, you know, stuff like that. So I do believe there's a higher being or a higher power that created um, everything. You know, even created aliens, whatever, you know what I mean? But, you know what I mean, as far as, well, we can't see it. We'll never be able to see it unless we probably pass away. What if the higher being is just the aliens? Well, shit, come get my ass, uh, damn it. Um, I'm going to fly in a spaceship. I'm tired of driving. These gas prices is high as fuck. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, there'd be a lot of getting used to if they took you away. I kind of think about, like, I don't know, man. It's, it's, I, what if it sucks? I ain't going to lie. Like, if, if, they, if, they recru- if the aliens recruited me, to be a part of day like alien like gang or something, I'd rock with them. 
You'd rock with the aliens? I don't know. Yeah, I'd rock with the aliens. They ain't never called me nigga. Yeah, but they don't know. They don't. They don't know what that means. Exactly, y'all do, and y'all still call me that. No point, not y'all, but you know. <laughs> what if they call you something worse? I well, know. I don't know their language, so I can't. I don't. I can't determine that what they fucking well, what call if, me. So like, I, what if I what they're it go. thinking is racist, but they're just not translating it? You know what I mean? Like, you think aliens would be racist? I feel like. I mean, are I, we I, racist with animals? I feel like we're kind of racist with animals in a sense. We're racist. I think humans are racist, period. Yeah. We're racist against fucking animals. We're racist against land. We're racist against water. We're racist against, like, everything. Like, for real, water just isn't water. It's sea, sea salt water. It's fresh water. Like, why you got to separate the two? Why can't it just be water? <laughs> what, what do you think's the most racist thing about you? Racist thing about me? I don't think there is that. Uh, there's definitely not a racist thing about me. Like, my grandmother's white. My kids are Hispanic. Um, you know, I grew up in a mixed mixed community in San Mateo, and also living in Houston. I've lived in, you know, I've been around the world already. So, like, I, I'm fascinated as far as like. Yeah, you did say. New cultures. I don't know if this got cut out, but last night you did say you went to Afghanistan, and you said yeah. um, that I asked you like, what was your worst country to visit? <clears throat> and you said Afghanistan, but you said mainly because you were working. It wasn't nothing yeah, about it the wasn't country. like it you was just had a bad time the, there. Yeah, it just wasn't the, it wasn't the country. I just didn't get to see the countryside. I never got to see everything. I just I was stuck in a sand like in a sand pile. Like that was it with a whole bunch of tents. We went into the city like all of maybe two hours, and it was at one building, and we circled it and we left. Did the city at least it. look like it had potential? No. no I felt bad. That, I, honestly, I, I felt so bad. Like, for real, I was glad that nothing happened. And there was no, there was, there was no like, you know, um, shooting or anything like that. I didn't have to shoot anybody. I felt bad for them. I don't think I was able. I would have probably died. Because if there was a gunfire, I wouldn't be able to shoot. Like, I wasn't going to be able to kill, like, just some innocent person. You know, defending, the, like, really, they defending their land. We're on their shit. Straight up, it's pretty honorable. I, I feel like some people are there just to, because. Do you now? You were in the military, so maybe you could answer this firsthand. Because like, I've never been in, but I feel like there's got there's bound to be people who join the military, and like maybe you'd be able to see it. Just like I think you also said you went to prison. Like, you'd kind of get to see it. Like, who's really out of their fucking mind? And I feel like. If somebody's, like, smart enough, they could join the military, but deep down, like, once they're in and they start showing their true colors, like, can't wait to fucking kill these sand and words or oh, something no, like no, no, that. No, like, there, There's definitely those. Like, I put it like this. Even in boot camp, there was racist people in boot camp. Like, we had, like, like fights mm. during boot camp. It's young like, men, the, too, you know, so it's, they're right. bound to be and racist. Also, I, when, I, when, I, when I joined, I was 20. Everybody else was like 17, 18, like they, oh, were, wow. like they were younger. So I was 20 years old when I joined. When I got out of boot camp, that's when I turned 21. I think I asked somebody on this podcast this before, or just a friend. No, this was it was just a friend. I was asking them about like, do you think like 17 and 18 is a little too young to be joining the military? Because at first I thought that, Definitely. but my friend who was Definitely. in the military persuaded me that uh, it was okay. It, it it is. I feel like, in a sense, it is okay because, all right. So if you think about it, 
more than half of the military is gang affiliations. I'm going to tell you straight up. Like, more than half the military is gang-affiliated, whether it be the Army, Navy, Air Force, whatever. The name recruiting is out of neighborhood, poor neighborhoods, whether it be white, black, Hispanic, or whatever, right? Okay. So with that being said, you're taking people that probably would never, ever be able to see, like, go overseas. They would never get out of their block. They would never get out of their trailers. They would never get out of their, their city. You know what I'm saying? So and you're, you get to go around the world. That's why I joined. I was like, I wasn't doing shit with my life. I was in gangs. I was getting in trouble, all that. And I was like, something had to change. I was also homeless. So with that being said, I was just like, fuck that. Like, you know, my aunt looked at me and was like, what you going to do, school or the Marines or, or, or military? So I went to the Marines. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't built for school. I, could, I didn't like school. I mean, I, ADD is a motherfucker. <laughs> can, I, can I share something with you? I want to get Go your ahead. thoughts on this. Like, when I was 18... My friend went into the Marines, and um, I think, you know, he needed to get some, like, recruits or something so he could get a fucking, like, stripe on his belt or a fucking star on his collar. Yeah, so, like, you know, I did my boy a solid, and I gave him my number so the the Marines could, like, call me. And he was like, you don't have to join. I just need your number, right? So, like, (laughs) the fucking uh, recruiter calls me. He's like, yeah, is this Marconi, Uh, your friend? Uh, Yeah. Yes, said you're interested. <laughs> now I'm over here. Fuck, I got a fucking lie from my butt. But I had no intentions of really going because I was like, I don't know. At the time, I was just like, man, I don't want to go to like Afghanistan. Like, you know, I don't want to like I'm right here. Like California seems great. Like I can just see myself going to like a third world country at 18 years, 17. Actually, I think I was 17 and just thinking to myself like, fuck this, you know, like, I miss my games, like, I'm just not built, I just wasn't in the right headspace, I was like, maybe when I'm older, but let me, like, enjoy my time first, like, sometimes I kind of considered it, but I just said that just to be cool, but anyways, um, what I'm getting at is the, the recruiter called me, and this is what stirred me further away from the military, like, I, I had a little bit, sounds like you're typing, bro, are you typing what I'm saying to send it to the Marines? <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'm typing everything. Oh. Yeah, I found him, y'all. I found him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um... Operation Get Marconi. <laughs> you're not going to get much. Um, <laughs> so, he... The Marines will own your soul, okay? He, the Marines will own your soul. He called me, and I was like, no, not really, or something like that. I don't know. All I remember is he called me, like, a second or third time. And was just really interrogating me about, like, what I'm doing, you know? He was like, I was like, um, I think I'm going to go to school. And he's like, you think? And he was just like, what are you going to do with that, you know? And and I was just telling him, like, you know, just going to, like, degree, get something, get a job. And he was just like, really? You get it, like, like, just that, okay, whatever. Like, he was very rude about it and, like, condescending. Like okay, I mean, yeah. Like probably, good luck with that. Probably, they probably they felt that they put they just put in time to calling you, and they just wasted the time. I know how it works because I was how the recruit like so after boot camp, uh, I got my first stripe through through recruiting. I recruited three people that actually did join, um, and they're they're actually still in the Marines. Um, but yeah, like there's there's just you know there's perks to it. You get promoted, you get a bigger check, you know, and then you just reach around and just, you do the same. I guess that makes sense on wasting their time. I should have not bullshitted them in the first place, you know what I mean? But I guess it was just to do my boy a solid. That's really what it was about. 
You know, that's all. There's, I mean, honestly, if you would if you would have just said that, they would have just still they still would have gave him his, his stripe and left you alone. Yeah, I guess I back then I did I just didn't want to come off as a fucking phony, even though that's what I was doing. But uh, yeah, oh wow, that after all these years, it's been about what. 11 years it kind of gives me a little bit i never really think too much about that i always just kind of focus on what an asshole that guy was but it's the fucking marines <laughs> you know what i mean like because there's like i don't disrespect like the mil. there's certain aspects of the military that i agree with like i would love just i like the fitness part of it every time i go there I do like, the fucking pull-ups and shit like that like i'm down with that but some some of it's just I can't make my bed, like you know. I'm gonna tell you right straight up, like honestly, like that's the majority of, like I put on weight after the Marines. When I was in the Marines, I was I was fucking I was ripped, like I was fucking shredded. I ain't gonna lie, Uh, and it was it was nice, but I worked. You know, having to like get up at like four o'clock in the morning and running three uh, three miles with 150 people singing cadences all the way through staying in form like that shit was getting old and tiring yeah so but do you feel like uh do you uh, so you did it for three years do you think there's any like long-term physical issues that you got from from the mil the military like uh oh after all these years of getting up like i i accidentally tripped or something now i've got a bum knee because uh, I woke my up at shoulder. four. My, my, uh, my shoulder. Mm. Yeah, a lot of people kind uh, of have shoulder issues. I know that uh, shoulders are very common because it's like a complicated ass well, joint. Well, you, you're, you're carrying. All right, so you got to you got to carry a hundred a hundred and fifty pound pack, and then you also have over about a good fifty pounds worth of clo- clothing and material on top of you, um, as far as Kevlar, your your, your flak, um, your boots. You know, your your camis are, are about a good, like, five pounds a piece, three pounds a piece, three and a half to four or five pounds a piece. So you got all that on you. So you're carrying all that daily. And then you have to hike up something, run around, drop down, get back up, get take a gun off the holster, all that shit like that. Just not even get shot at. Just, I'm talking about just the training yeah, part, just, just the boot joking. camp part. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, yo, like, after a while, like, some part of your body is going to tear. Some part of your body is going to start aching later down the future. Yeah, I mean, it can happen in the Marines. It can happen working at Walmart. You know, true, it's true, just true. choose your pain. Right? Choose. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Isn't it kind of crazy? Like, you it's could like a be. There's probably a big percentage of these people. Like, there's probably somebody in the military who fucking, you know, they tore their shoulder because they were fucking. I don't know, hauling their their sleeping bag. You know what I mean? And they, they tore their shoulder so bad you that they got... At. You would get laughed at. Yeah, but they get honorably the... discharged, and they get they get that check, and then every... You know, people don't fucking know, so he now this guy, this Nimrod's walking around with a Semper Fi shirt and, and just making shit up probably about my shoulder. Like, yeah, I just shot so many people. My shoulder gave out. Oh, you go, sh- yeah, you're going to definitely get those. You de- <laughs> I definitely hear it, and I'll... People okay, be saluting so any, you any, on Veterans any, Day. Little do do you know you just saluted a guy who threw out his shoulder with a fucking sleeping bag. <laughs> right. Oh, so you, you definitely run into those. You get to people. You get people that are just like you know, you know they they left boot camp and no and but and still say like oh yeah I was in the Marines. Yeah. Well, no, you left the boot camp though. Like you didn't even graduate. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? Like, nah. It's like, it, it's an honor when you cross that when you cross that, that stage, and the, the Marines at Camp Pendleton, um, in San Diego. Like, you you feel it when you're crossing it. Not when you're not when you're drilling. Not when you're no. When you you actually actually graduate. When they call, when they say that you're a graduate, and they tell you they they, they call out your platoon and say your name, you feel on you feel privileged because it's a whole lot of shit you have to go through for three months. What is that? What is that? Because I actually went to one of those graduations, like I think, a year ago. Was it a year ago or two years ago? Anyways, um, it could have been two years ago. They didn't have it. They weren't doing it. Well, last year? Or do you mean one last year? Last year. Ago? Well, the year. Okay, so they 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 weren't. They were having graduations two years ago. Because remember, we we're just coming out of COVID. Uh-huh. That was the year. Like we were just we were just kind of like. Okay, what happened last year? Last year, they, they, you know, they went full on. Like, you know, there's people there. But the year before, there was, like, you couldn't even have your family there. I was probably last year then, 2020. So. I think it was. Okay. Yeah, it was that year. And um, what happened? Uh, how many miles do you run during that graduation ceremony? Because I remember they did a lot of running and they did a lot of push-ups. So. It's like three miles? Yeah, it's a three-mile run. But, see, you're going to do it twice. You're going to do a three-mile, so six miles. So, but you're going to do it, okay, so the first time you run the three-mile, they call it prelim. So basically, like, if you run a great time, then you might not have to run it again. It, but it also depends on, like, so each battalion has, you're kind of competing against the other battalions mm. during your boot camp. Mm. So it's, it's, a point, it's, a point, it's a point system. So whoever's got, like, the mouth, the, uh, the, you know, a most kids or, or you know most uh, uh, soldiers or whatever or recruits because we're called recruits until you graduate um until you and, until you uh okay so how can i say so when the recruits graduate or, or run their three miles their job is to try to beat the time and if you beat the time you get points so how many kids beat it boom you add those points up and then it's like a certain they got it's a lower you know so like, it, okay, it varies from three to six miles. That's insane. Yeah. So you might do three miles and everybody be good. In and front of your sudden, family and shit, too? Oh, no. No, no. In front of the family, they don't do that. It's The front of the family is just strictly drills. You're going to do a drill. I've seen them running, then, though. I've seen them running. No. You've seen the next battalion bef- after them. So when you're graduating, you're not running at all. That day, you're literally getting ready to, to gra- cross the straits. That's all you're doing. The, if you're seeing people run, it's because they're about, they're about to be the next class that's graduating. No, no, no. I seen it. It's going on at the same time. Last year, I seen it. They they I'm try, I'm they just, were doing laps. They, they had a that. flag. They must have changed it then. But I'm, they I'm had to change think. it because when I was I there, know. they weren't doing it that like that. They were doing uh, push-ups. Nobody re- I don't think anybody met. I was watching. I was waiting for somebody to fuck up. And uh, nobody fucked up. And I was just kind of thinking like, Man, it must have been like, but yeah, I think they probably would have ran another whatever, but I don't know. No, they would they would have got they would have got um um <sighs> what they call quarter decked. Uh, basically, what happens is um you have the, the the your 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 dog hats, which are the the third hat. You have each each platoon has three three drill stru- three drill instructors. One's going to be your top hat. He's like the nice one. He's like the mom. He's gonna be. He's gonna be real cool with you. He gonna if you could talk. You know if you need to talk to quarter. You know my office is open. Blah blah blah. 
the second one is going to teach you almost everything you need to know as far as about being a Marine. He's going to teach you how to put your how to put your gun together, how to take it apart. He's going to teach you how to tie your shoes, put a, you know how to lace your shoes properly, how to uh, align your belt line, and, and and you know everything like that. How to dress properly, uh, that kind of stuff. Your bottom hat, that's the disciplinarian. That motherfucker is there to, to to break you down and build you back up. Okay, let me ask you this, just to kind of veer a little bit to close it all up. Um, you saw, you also say you went to prison. How, how much time did you do in prison? Um, which what, for what? I guess like collectively <laughs> all together, like ballpark. Uh, how much time have you spent in prison? Well, I don't want to count the military jail because that was only thirty days. Okay, sure, a month. Um, I'm not. That's that's just that, that month. Um, but after after I got out of Marines, I went to jail for beating my mom's boyfriend. Right. Um, and I I got served from L.A. County. I got two years. Okay. And then I only had to do a year. And then what happened was I got out. And then L.A. County tried to put me on the side of a road in Palmdale. And then I I left. I absconded. What do you I mean by put you on the side of the road? Like community service? Nah. Like, okay, so basically it wouldn't let me go home to my own house okay. after I got out of jail. Because oh. they said the incident happened there. Yet my, my mom's boyfriend no longer lived there. Right. But the probation wouldn't let me go back. So they tried to put me on a hotel in a desert with nothing. And I said, fuck that. That was just, that was, I knew it was failure to begin with. They were setting me up to fa- for failure. That's what yeah. LA County was doing. So I came back, I came up to San Mateo. I left. I went on the run for a whole year. So basically, you spent the same amount of time in the Marines as you did in jail. About three I probably years. spent a little bit more than, I probably spent a little bit more in jail. Okay, cool. Right. Like Perfect, I'm, I'm though. In jail and what, stuff a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. What was like harder? All together, because right but, after, because what happened was when I went on the run for a year, I got caught with Molly and mushrooms and had a little money on me, so I I got sentenced to another two years. And what year was this? Two thousand seven. Oh, okay. Okay. So I got out and I was done by two thousand nine. Right. I've not went back since. So <laughs> we've I'm had a pretty big come up from then to now. I'd say, you know, oh, uh, you, you, staying you. away I mean, from the trouble. What, I mean, yeah, I was parole. Like I'm like this. Those who are on parole and probation and stuff now have it a lot easier. There's a lot more stuff for the people to get into as far as jobs, um, therapy, um, whatever stuff like that. Right. Back when I was in, when I was going through it, no. Like jobs weren't hiring. Pro, a, a, a parolee, especially a black parolee that has violent crimes and gang affiliations on his record, but they're not hiring me. My question is, what was harder, the Marines or jail? Definitely fucking jail. How so? I was on a I was I was on a level three yard in uh, in Corcoran. How so? so Just like I, no I, hostile I, I dealt, environment. I dealt with. I, I went through three riots. I almost died in one of them. Sure. And I went in. I went. I went against them against the Mexican mafia. So if so you ever jail had, if politics. You ever had, oh my From god! Jail politics to comic politics, eh? Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> yep. Yep. I went from the government 
to jail politics, now comic politics. It just gets funnier and funnier. So, what, um, how, I mean, I feel like you're not waking up at uh, four in the morning in jail putting on hundreds of pounds of uh, armor and stuff. So how, because you seem pretty certain about jail being harder than the Marines. Like, I want to hear about it. Um, wrap Marines, up, I guess. Marines, <laughs> your, your, your Marines, it does, it's, it's not, it's not, um, a race thing. It's just like, you know, just you, you like, you're, you're cool with everybody. Um, in jail, but like this, like me, you wouldn't be talking. Why um, though? What should Asian it, it, people, like, what should an so Asian person, I, who should so I be this, talking this, to? I'm going to say like this. So like up, up in Northern California, like you guys like talk to each other and shit like that as far as different races and shit. And Southern California, we don't. It's literally separated by the race. It's not by gangs. It's by the race. So blacks are with blacks, whites with whites, Mexicans with Mexicans, Hispanics with Hispanics. Like, uh, uh, if you're if you're a Filipino or anything like that, you're considering the other. You're you're your own group. Like, certain maybe like a That's black. That's why white I like folk. the Bay Area though, because they're just so accepting. It seems like you know. But I guess right. if I were to go to jail, I want to go to jail in 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 Northern California because. Yep. And here's a quick story that I went over not too long ago. So I had another uh, guest on, and we were talking about the N-word. And back when I was, back in 2007, I was saying the N-word in middle school and, and to, to, like, my black friends. But nobody, like, it, nobody checked me on it. It was just all go, like, no offense. Like, they just thought I was saying the word, like, dude or something. So I got but, uh, away with it. But you're younger, though. You're, you're, exactly. you're at your age. You were younger to where it did. It was no effect to y'all. Y'all just thought it was hip and cool. But I feel like that only happened in the Bay Area because I had a friend. Um, um, he basically gave me an N-word card, right? And so he went down to SoCal, and I remember bringing it up to him about like, do I still have that N-word card? Like, and then he was like, Nah, man, they ruined it for you down here in LA. <laughs> like, or he was saying the. The Asian people out there are different than how the Asian people oh are God. here, if that makes sense. Do you agree? <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Wow. Definitely. What's the difference between, like, the, like if there was an L.A. version of me from what you've gathered so far, like, what's the L.A. version of me? We'd probably be fighting. Why? <laughs> just, yeah, I'm just saying, like, because honestly, like, you're going to try to stick up for your people. I got to yeah. stick up for my people. Um, it's very, like I said, it's LA count, LA period is very diverse as, uh, is very like segregated period. Mm. Like it, even on the street, like jail, po- LA is jail politics on the street. Put it like that. Get this though. The Marines is in San Diego, which is basically like Southern California mm-hmm. and they're very big about a Bay style to it. You know what I mean? They do, but they still gangbang too. They got LA and the bank type type of vibe. Cause if you go to San Diego, there's certain parts of San Diego you cannot go down. Like you, you better know somebody. People are interesting. We've been talking about racism. And it's just like racism. Um, yeah. It uh, it evolves. Like it's still here. Mm-hmm. But it's like it, it 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 adapts to time and people. And kind of like I mean earlier we start. I started this. I was like, what's the most racist thing about you? And you said uh. You nothing. ain't got a racist bone in your body, but now I don't know. I don't know. You you went to jail. Like nothing wrong with being I had, racist. I, so guess, we, so <laughs> okay. I'll put like this: when you're in those when you're in certain places, you it's survival. You got to do what you got to do. So 
and it's, I was never racist to, towards anybody. I was more like reaction racist. Man, like if you if you said something to me out of pocket, I'm gonna get on you. Other than that, I'm I'm what's up and keep it pushing. Like I'm I'm good. Like I'm not gonna be just. I'm not, I'm not the type of person to just start shit. I, I don't. If um if I was in an LA jail and they had to put me with the others. I'd be hella mad if they were just so boring and they're fucking squares and I'm looking over at the black side or Mexican side and they look like they're Trust having hella me. fun. I would turn. Be like, no, oh, no, 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 no. You'd, you'd be happy because you'd be able to dig your time and not get extra time. I guess. I guess. Yeah. Because even though, even though we might be looking like we're having fun, there's a consequence behind it somewhere. Either we did yeah. something to somebody to have that fun mm. or something's about to ha happen to us for having fun. Oh, yeah. I guess I worded that wrong. Okay, what if it looked like we were having fun over here, but the Mexicans are quiet to themselves? And I'm like, man, I wish I could have some fucking peace and quiet. That, that, that's, that's, that's what main fights okay. are. Like, here's, here's a, a lot of fights question. happen. But this is, I feel like it's not racist because it's like, it's a, it, it's a good experiment. Like, these people are segregating. It, it's, it's interesting, like, what, what group from what you've observed in, in L.A. jails, like, which group did you seem like you would not want to be the most? Hispanics. Really? They drama? Yeah. Oh, you, were you the one? Oh, no, it was a... I had a Mexican guy on earlier, and he said Mexicans are the biggest haters. And I was like, really? I didn't know that. <laughs> it's not even just about hating it. It's just the fact that uh, the, the politics Mexicans do. Like, as soon as they get into... As soon as you go to jail... They're going to get your paperwork. They're going to see what you're in for. They're going to see who you are, if you're affiliated, all that. And if you're not, they're going to try to recruit you in. And if you don't, if you don't follow the instructions, trust me, you're not going to live through it. How does that? How does that go though? Well, like if I'm a, if I'm like a sheriff or something, or corrections officer, and I work. And I get the paperwork. How do the inmates get the paperwork? How do they get the information? From the on? fucking sheriff. He takes bribes or something? Like, is, is that, look, I'm is that say, a right, I'm, I'm going to I'm, I'm say like this. I'm going to tell you an incident that happened to me. Okay? Okay. So what happened was I was in, I was in prison out in Delano, down south. Okay? And my cellmate was a, was a shot caller for all the blacks. Okay? Um, and he got moved out. He had, you know, his release date came up. So I was in there. So what ended up happening was somebody came to me and was like, hey, you got the keys for the blacks. And I was like, I don't want them. I was a first-termer. I don't want them shits. I went to every OG. Every OG was like, nope, I don't want them either. So I was like, fuck, I'm stuck. Later that night, a deputy came to my cell and opened my door. And he said, hey, put on your shoes. Come with me. At this time, I'm sitting there like, what's going on? Because it's in the middle of the fucking night. Okay. They took me out of the out of that dorm, or not out of that dorm, but out of that out of that um, out of that building, and I went down two buildings, not sh not cuffed, not shackled, nothing, just me and this deputy, and he brought me into another building. When he brought me into that other building, there was three Mexican mafia dudes sitting at a fucking bench. One of them had tattoos all over his fucking head, from the devil horns, all this shit. Said his hood, MS, all everything. This he was a full legit hitter. This man was doing triple life. Sheesh. When I said, when I'm, when I'm, my, the point of my story is, he made a sheriff, a deputy of the building, 
go get me because the simple fact that we had a Hispanic that claimed black. He's from a black neighborhood. He was in a black gang, and and he was just trying to do his time. But because he was Mexican, the Mexican mafia dudes didn't like that shit. So they put a hit out on him. They asked me to tell him, hey, roll it up politely. That was, that was, that was their way of doing it politely. Like, hey, we don't want to start a war. We don't want to start a race riot, but we don't like that. We don't condone that. So either you roll them up or there's some, some shit about to jump off. That's what pretty much happened. And it was deputy walked me back to my building and put me in my back in my cell. After that, I slept with my shoes on every fucking night. Uh, I feel dumb for asking, why'd you keep your shoes on every night? Because you had to go or something? Like, No, nah, because you never know if that door might open and somebody might run in your cell. You don't want to be barefooted trying to slide around on cement. Mm. Wow, see, I don't what think if, about that you shit. Want to be, you want to have your shoes on. That way you have grip on the floor to fight. You can kick a motherfucker and then hurt him rather than yeah. you kicking him with your bare foot. That's smart. That's smart. Didn't think about that. So it's, it's, a, it's a jail thing. Like, they'll tell you, if you ever go to jail, anybody who's listening to this podcast, they know what I'm talking about. If you've been to jail, they'll say, hey, keep your shoes on at night sometimes. That's if you're in, in, in the game. What kind of shoes we getting? We getting, like, Crocs? We getting, like, Vans? Like, slippers, uh, slides? Some people got, some people had Nike. Some people have Reeboks. Some people had Adidas. You get, your, you get shoes off the of commissary and, and stuff like that. Otherwise, you get the state property shoes, which look like Vans, but they're not Vans. Mm, okay and would you wear like if if you were sleeping with socks i mean would you sleep with socks and shoes or just shoes no socks both it all depends because okay. like, like i said i was in delano and then i did um then i did corcoran so therefore like it was it's i was in a hot desert like it's hot as fuck out there so during the summertime you might just wear you know just the shoes no socks um but during that winter oh you definitely gonna wear socks mm yeah okay how about this i feel like that i always think about this but you don't you don't ever get to see the night sky in jail huh you never get to see the moon yeah you do it you all do? depends yeah it how, all do you, depends. how do you get to how do you get to go outside during nighttime like if you're, in the, if you're in the county nah you're not gonna see outside but if you're in the if you're in prison yeah you're gonna see outside because sometimes like you can go out like at night if you're in a dorm if you're in a dorm setting they you still have yard like you still have like you know, I mean, you can go out on the yard and shit sometimes. I'm talking about sometimes night, at night, though. up until up oh. until like about eight o'clock. Really? Oh shit! So, I mean, you see the sunset sometimes and shit, and you know, and sometimes you just you just might want to you might want to sleep during the day though and be up at night because when nighttime hit, that's when all the shit starts. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> it sounds, in a way, it sounds like it could be fun if you have you know the right politics lined up with you. Like, I felt like if I, well, I don't know. I didn't even know about the fucking shoes going to sleep. Well, so what like the this. fuck I'm, do I'm, I know? I'm, from, I'm, I'm originally from Rolling 40's neighborhood crib from L.A., 42nd of Vermont. I started gangbanging at 13 years old. Jumped in, everything. So I can't go into detail what I've done and shit in life, but yeah. So that's why, like, I is my bringing is up. It, you know, when I came up to San Mateo, my like I said, my grandmother's white. So like, my joke is always like, oh, I thank I thank God for her every day that she just gentrified for my life because my my life was hood as fuck. You really gotta feel more afraid of the people who have been to jail, but you never know who's in jail. Unlike somebody who's been in the military and they're probably wearing a fucking 
the few, the proud shirts. I feel like I don't know. Jail, I don't know. Jail is way worse than military. Like military is cool. Like you, you can eat with everybody. You can sit with everybody. You can talk. You laugh. You joke. All that shit. When you ain't in jail, you can laugh and joke if you want to, but you still gotta have your head on a swivel. How funny right. is everything when you still gotta ha 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 and look around like a goddamn and your hands going back and forth like a fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That shit ain't cool. You know what I mean? So. <clears throat> um. I watch a lot of UFC, and I always just think, you never know, man. There could be somebody who's like, who could whoop the fucking champion's ass, but they're just in jail right now. Oh hell yeah! yeah. We uh, we had this dude named Boxer. It was in L.A. When I said this man had fucking hang, like, yo, I seen this dude whoop three other gang gang like he this dude was even a gang gang member at all. He he was strictly a boxer, and when I seen him fight. Three three dudes that were in gangs and they were big as fuck. I'm trying to lay them the fuck out. I was like, you know what? I'm about to be this dude's best friend. <laughs> I'm about to fight Floyd this Mayweather, dude. Bro. I'd be like, yeah, where's your pocket? I, I, I think it. he would. Uh, honestly, his, how his hands was and so quick and how his his subtle movement and his shift in his hips was. I was, I watched a lot of boxing, so I like watching how he did it. I was like, yo, I think he would do would have beat uh, Floyd Mayweather. And it's yeah, prime. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. See? Witness right there. And they they bare knuckle in that bitch, you know? So it's like... Uh-huh. Did you see a lot of striking or was it a lot of wrestling or was it a lot of stabbing in, res- in jail? Like- so so when you when you got cell fights, it's a lot of stand up. Like, you, it's, 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 you just stand up and it's just toes and you go at it. You're face to face, nose to nose, damn near, and you're just throwing your punches. And hopefully one of, one of their punches don't fucking, like, knock you out. You don't have much room to be wrestling around in. Yeah. But I've seen people where they got phone thrown booth, off a phone tier. booth fighting. Seen, right. Yeah. Um, but I've seen people get thrown off a tier. I've seen people start fighting in, in, in what they call the day room, where everybody like is sitting there like you know reading newspapers, whatnot. Like I've seen fights start out anywhere and everywhere in a, in a jail. Wow. And in a shower. That was cold. That was the coldest one. It was uh, um, the two Mexicans jumping on another on another uh, Hispanic. Um, I guess I guess something about like he had snitched or found, they found out he told us about some shit and I just, I say they 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 demolished him. They demolished him. Like he was screaming for his life, butt naked, trying to run through the fucking trying to run through the dorm, and they were catching him. They were saying uh, they're saying that female prisons are more brutal than men. Surprisingly, uh, my my mom my mom definitely said the same shit. My mom did fifteen years in the feds. Oh wow! Yeah, she said that she one time someone tried to run up on her, and she had a t- she ripped out her uh, extension cord out of the lamp, and whooped the girl with it with the extension cord. Whew. Whew. My mom is a thug. I'm not gonna lie. My mom is a fucking thug. Okay. <laughs> my mom. It's, it's crazy because I'm a, like I make a joke about it, but my great my real grandma my great grandmother was the original crip. She was a first generation crib. My my mom is a second uh, uh, second generation blood from um, Inglewood Pyru, and then I became a fifth, a fourth generation crib. So you've got bloods and cribs in your family, eh? Yep. Wow. How does that work? Like, does some of your family just not fuck with your family? We haven't had a, we've never had a family reunion. Got it. <laughs> Uh, so the, I mean, we did about almost 40 minutes here. I just want to end it off. You going to Alameda tonight? Is it your first time there? 
Yeah. That's pretty good, first man. Time it's, tonight, it's, a, it's a good first club. First time tonight, Alameda. I look forward to, to being there and making people laugh. I like touching new stages, like I was always saying earlier. When are so, you up? Yeah. I don't know what the lineup is. So I, I, I didn't get yeah. that. Yeah, they didn't give me the lineup yet. They so just put, told me. You should put it on um, Facebook on the bacon, I believe. If they did, I, I, I didn't. I don't. Oh. I'm, on, I'm not on bacon no more. Well, I when you show up that. there, they're going to have. Um, they're going to have like a paper on each table, and then the paper has the lineup. So then it goes okay. in that order. And every, I mean, from my experience, when I go, there's always somebody who doesn't show up or something. So you're probably going to go up sooner than you think. If that makes okay. sense. So, oh, or, or sometimes they'll have like a so filler. So you, you performed there before? Yeah, I've done, I think, three times this year. I went, I have done two of those open mics, and then I did a roast battle. Okay. Yeah, so. so when you were there, like, so if someone doesn't show up, do, does everybody get like split the time or some shit? No, I don't think so. I think uh, uh-huh. there. My only tip is you have five minutes. The lights kind of like orangish in front of you, and it's like if you you have a couple of seconds to to run it. If it starts flashing, it I think it really means like wrap it up. Um, yeah, I think it, that means it's done. This is one of those places where they will play them. They'll play you off. So I guess my tip is to kind of like just end it strong. At least from the last time I was there, I was like, damn, I fucking, I rushed my last joke and it, I should have just like replaced it with something shorter. But that's just be me being meticulous with my words and shit. Yeah. I mean, I'm just going to do some, probably some old jokes, but the same, I mean, I'm not going to bring anything new there. I want to, I want to set like, you know, I wanna, I'm trying to get invited back. So I want to yeah. just give them something fresh and. That's a good place to kind of do things you know works because they, they, they film it and then you could like yeah, so buy I want to give them a good set. I want to give them a good set. I might have already done it. Nice. Pretty much the set that I did from Saturday, I'll probably do there. Oh, cool. Well, Saturday was 20 minutes. <laughs> right, right, right. But I'm saying like I, I know how to shorten like, you know, two jokes down to where it's five minutes. Oh, wow. Interesting. Okay. So, yeah, I'm actually supposed to be doing 20 to 25 minutes tomorrow. This is insane. I just found this out a couple of hours ago. I'm opening up for a metal show, like heavy no. metal. And it's just, uh, I don't know. I kind of told myself, yeah, I guess if I just take it really slow, we've got 20 minutes. So that's cool. It's kind of cool drag to have your free jokes. time. That, drag your jokes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just drag them. Yeah, but he said he did, he's he can't promise a big crowd or whatever. But I'm just happy to have that under my. I did comedy before a metal show started. It could be an absolute ridiculous thing, but uh, it's just funny. It's just funny where shit takes you. That's what's up, bro. Congratulations on that, bro. Congratulations yeah, thanks, on that. Man. Yeah, it's from a band that I've had on this show before. And so um, yeah, man, down to have you on again. I mean, we only went over probably one layer of you or two, the Marines and the uh, jail. But I want to go over the DJ layer one day, and um, you're a coder, so yeah, yeah you got man, a lot I, of things. I, I, there's a lot. There's a lot to me. Um, I just thank you. I just wanted, to, like I said, like um, I want everybody just to really just just get to know me before you judge me and see where I'm coming from. Exactly like. I come from a hard background, but I'm not a hard dude to get along with. I talk to everybody. I'm very friendly, very approachable. It's comedy, I'm man. Very understanding, just, yeah. So can't take just, it serious. Just, I just hope everybody else don't take take it serious. We're like, you know, shit like that, man. I'm, I'm very workable. You know what I mean? So I wish you luck, man. I hope to see you again, and uh, I hope people don't. Uh, there's no hate. I hope there's no uh, riots going on in the comedy community, <laughs> and I hope I don't have to do open mics with my shoes on. All right. (laughs) All right, boss. See you, man. Have a good day. Same with you.
Thursday.